Come on. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, a strong and powerful Paul Burkett. Paul, are you ready to do this? George, I'm always ready. Excellent. Let's do this. Paul is the CEO of Automation Finance, a company buying non-performing residential mortgages at a discount and working with the homeowners to return the loan to performing status. Prior to automation, Paul spent almost 20 years uh, building multi-billion dollar business business units with Pepsi and Procter & Gamble. I'm excited to have you on. Paul, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, I kind of made a big... Uh a big change in mid midlife. I did 20 years in corporate life and my father used to ask me, you know, I, I lived in the U S and I lived all basically in every market that, uh, PepsiCo does business. So all over Asia and Europe and ended up in the U S and I would meet my family at Christmas time. And dad would say, um, you know, how's, how are things going? And I would say, dad, I'm just waiting to die. <laughs> because I've been doing the same thing for 20 years and I was a middle of the pack kind of guy. I was no superstar guy, um, but it was just, you know, it was, it was tough to, to keep the motivation going. So I went and looked for something else and I'd always been buying um, rental properties. So I got to the U.S., um, moved to the U.S. in 2010 and started buying um, single family homes and renovating them. Um, just very light rehabs because... If you cast your mind back to 2010, the real estate market was was very tough at that time. And so you could buy single family homes, three bedroom, two bathroom for, you know, 80 or 90 grand in places like Phoenix or Southern Florida, which is the two markets that I was kind of concentrating on and renting them out. And I thought the idea would be a great one because um, it was passive income, right? So at the weekends, I could spend my time playing golf or going skiing. But it transpired that once you get to about 20 houses, you spend your whole weekend doing accounting, working with property managers, dealing with rentals, dealing with evictions and all that stuff. And so um, that just was not a business that was going to, to scale. And so um, I uh, bought a, was buying a short sale from a bank. I won't name the bank. But um, they called me after several months of holding my earnest money and said, look, we can't sell you that, uh, that, that house. We have sold the loan to someone else. And in Europe, uh, which is where I'm from, I'm from Ireland originally, the only people who can own a mortgage is a bank. Hmm. So unless you're like a, a federally chartered bank, you can't own a mortgage. So it's kind of scratching my head thinking that can't, I, I, you assume that everywhere is going to be the same. So this lady was from a call center trying to explain to me that um, a regular person with just some very minor compliance steps taken can buy a residential mortgage. 
and that's what piqued my interest and I started researching that um, in 2013 and cut a long story short by 2014 I had left my tenured job if you like at PepsiCo um, and had started to buy non-performing mortgages um, and only in America because um, I had no relevant experience in the space. I'm not a finance guy. If anything, I'm a, a marketing guy, sales and marketing, kind of a general management guy. And within uh, a year, I had raised $20 million and bought over a thousand mortgages. Um, wow. And that's just not possible anywhere else except in the United States. So it's been a phenomenal ride. And, and a long answer to a short question, which is, it's really all work with me. I have family back in Ireland, but that's really it. So when, you've, uh, when you're building a startup, as your listeners will know very well, you need to be totally committed. And so that comes at a price, and that's probably that you work a bit more than, than you would like. Um, but since I love what I do, I guess it's not really work oh, at all. Well, fair enough. Well, I certainly appreciate all that. Uh, it's a very, very common theme on the show to be talking to people that recognize an opportunity uh, someplace that, that they can mm. make a difference, maximize something, build something, and then taking advantage of it. So so it, that sounds like exactly what, uh, what, what you did here. I think that I kick myself uh, if I did not ask you, and other people would kick me if I didn't ask you if you prefer Coke over Pepsi or Pepsi over Coke at this point. Oh my God, my loyalties run deep. So, uh, I mean, you can ask that question, but there's only one answer. Um, and so I, in Europe, the Coke is, is the dominant brand. But when I got to the US, um, you could find Pepsi much more frequently. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm a Pe- Pepsi okay. through and through. Yeah, I, I kind of figured it was one of those things, Paul, where I wrote down he's probably Pepsi. But then after after 17 years, you, you actually might grow to hate the brand that you work with. So I, 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 I just... <laughs> I think like everybody, everyone's drinking water and other stuff these days, not so much soda, but uh, when it comes down to okay, soda. Okay, fair enough, healthy. fair enough. So I, I, I think it's it's very interesting. I'm sure that, that people who are, are listening will also find it to be interesting that that in other parts of the world, uh, individuals cannot buy mortgages and you recognize that, oh my, oh my gosh, well here in the United States, people can do that. And so you 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 set up a company you, 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 you started raising money, so yeah. you raised, I think you said $20 million, and then you just, 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 just got to work. Right. And was it just you at first? Right. Yeah, I, mean, it, I, I was kind of fooled at the beginning because I bought 10 more. I bought one loan, and then that worked out fine. And then I bought hmm. 10, and they worked out spectacularly well. So I thought, wow, well, I did one well. <laughs> And I did 10. I did spectacularly well. Imagine if I bought thousands of them because it's a linear relationship. It's because I'm so gifted that I can get these stellar returns. But of course, what actually was happening was I was just lucky. Um, I bought at a time when the market was turning. Um, When the market is on its way down in the mortgage business, everyone is hiding and trying to avoid paying. When the market, the real estate market is on its way up, everyone wants to do a deal because they don't want to be foreclosed and lose their property. So I just caught it at that upswing and was very, very lucky um, and was able to use my modest uh, um, historical background in, in the loan business to go and raise money and buy a lot of loans. 
Um, and of course, I found that it isn't a linear relationship between one and ten and then a thousand. A thousand is way, way more complex. So I started to build out um, the organization in 2015 and we're at 26 people uh, right now. And so in our office, it's like a bunch of accountants, a bunch of lawyers and a lot of analysts who are going through things, making sure that the deals that we're doing with the borrowers are affordable for them. Um, because what we focus on doing is taking a loan that is not performing. So the borrower is not paying and turn them into a borrower that is paying. And the reason they're not paying is, is usually because five years ago, let's say, they lost their job. Um, and they got maybe 10 months behind on their mortgage. So let's say if their mortgage is $2,000 a month, they're now $20,000 behind. And if their mortgage is with a, a big bank, like a, a main kind of bank that everyone would have heard, um, there's no way that bank can say, oh, you know what, I'll cut you a break. Don't worry about it. Give it mm -hmm. to me when you have it. Because if they say that to, to you, they have to say, you're going to tell everyone at the gym or the right. church or wherever. And then all of a sudden, Bank X, everyone has stopped paying because they know that Bank X will do will do deals. Mortgage payments are optional. So the bank has two choices. The bank can either foreclose, which is the legal process whereby they um, take the property and sell it and use the proceeds of the sale of the property to repay the loan. They can either do that, which they don't really want to do because for two reasons. One is they run a lot of risk of having negative headlines in newspapers of you know them evicting people and nobody wants that but also it's an expensive and lengthy process to go through and banks are not really set up to do that banks are set up to lend money they're not set up to manage loans that are going bad so what they often do is package up those loans and sell them and they'll sell them to someone like us and we have an advantage over the bank because no one has ever heard of me. I don't have branches up and down every street in, in the United States. I'm just some small fund based in New York City. And if I say to you, hey, the 20000 that you owe in, in arrears, I can just write that off. That's fine. I can easily do that because there's no one to stop me doing it. I don't run any risk hmm. of other people stopping paying. So we're able to get people who are in arrears, cancel all their arrears, maybe even extend the term of the loan or reduce the interest rate so that the payment is affordable for them. And so we then avoid foreclosure. And for us and our investors, we have a loan that's paying, um, which was before we got it, a loan that wasn't paying. And it's really as simple as that. Now, it's a bit more complex than that, but that's really it in a, in, in a summary got it. form. Well, I appreciate that. So... I hate to sound trite, but it sounds like it's a win-win. Well, it, it is a win-win. Um, everybody wins. The person who ultimately, I mean, someone has to pay, sure. and the person who paid is really the bank who made the loan in the first place, and they're taking a loss, and their loss is then ultimately shared with the borrower. So the borrower gets to keep their home, rebuild their credit, and we get an asset at a discount, which we can then turn into a performing asset. Got it. Okay. Well, fair enough. Yeah. So how you are, you're currently looking for more people to invest with you. And so they, they tell, tell, tell me how that works. Well, so up until now, we've been a pretty traditional type of a fund. So we go to Wall Street and we raise money from professional investors and they'll allocate money to us. We will buy the, the mortgage loans. 
And we run about a book of about $200 million um, of loans. And it has been all institutional money up until now. But in 2014, the Jobs Act became law, which allows companies like ours to um, go through a qualification process with the SEC. So we spent two years, the last two years, getting approved. And just in November, we got our our, uh, qualification letter, which allows us to do crowdfunding for this business. A lot of your listeners might be familiar with crowdfunding, Kickstarter and things for people who want to launch a new product or maybe um, do some charitable work or some project like that. Well, we're doing it, but on an industrial scale. So we are allowed to um, put ads on um, TV or on billboards or anywhere we want and solicit investment directly from the public, which means ordinary investors like you and I, who are not big institutions, can invest and get the same returns that the institutions get. And so we have a fund right now where investors can subscribe and we'll pay them 8% interest on their money. Now, historically, we've generated about 17% a year um, from running the business. So if you think about that, roughly half of that goes to us to run the business and half of that goes to the investor as a preferred return. So they're buying preferred stock. That means it gets paid first and they get 8% return annually on their money, paid monthly, so they get a a dividend check every month. Um, And now they can have the same benefits as an institutional investor. Got it, okay, fair enough. So is is this something where you need to have a certain amount of money upfront? Is it $1,000, 5,000, 10,000? No, no, it's, it's um, you, you don't need to be a qualified investor and you can invest as little as $250. Now, the thing that everyone has to watch out is that this is an investment and there are no safe investments. Even holding cash, you run the risk of inflation um, eating away at the purchasing power of that cash. So we have a prospectus um, which is qualified by the SEC and people should read that. It's uh, it's quite a lengthy document, but it breaks it out in very, very great granular detail, precisely what's happening and how, how you make money, basically, and how we make money. Got it. Fair enough. So are there people that that you look to or look at and say, this is a great opportunity for, and then on the flip side, are the people you look at and you say, you know what, this is not a good fit? Well, it's like anything. You, you shouldn't invest your life savings in, mm-hmm. in any investment. But I'll tell you a little bit, there's two real groups of people who invest with us. The first group are income investors. They're typically in the kind of late 40s to mid 50s. And they are people who've got 401ks or IRAs or, you know, kind of retirement funds, tax advantaged retirement funds. And they're looking to place them somewhere. There's an awful lot, like a trillion dollars of cash sitting just on deposit in those kind of accounts. And so we can pay 8% on that. That's a a good use of that money. Um, And they like it because it's backed by real estate. So we're not buying the houses, we're buying the loans on the houses. And we pay roughly, if I look across the whole portfolio, we pay about 60 cents on the dollar. So if you could buy a house at 60 cents on the dollar and rent it out, that's probably a pretty good deal. Well, we're buying the mortgage on that house at 60 cents on the dollar, just to give people some kind of perspective as to how the value works. So that's one group. And then there's another group 
with people who've got cash lying around and they're waiting on another deal. So these might be people who invest in real estate or other investments. But there's often a lag of six or 12 or months or so between deal one and deal two. And they don't want that cash just sitting on the sidelines. So they can come to us and put it in uh, in our fund for a period of time because we offer what we call best efforts liquidity, which means if you put the money in and then let's say a year later you want the money back, you can come to us and say, hey, I would like that money back. Can you please um, send it back to me? And so what best efforts means is we will make our best efforts. So we can't guarantee anything. We don't guarantee anything. You're just not allowed to do that. But what we will do is when you want to take your $50,000 back out, um, the company, if it has the money to do so, will repurchase your units. And because we're buying and selling loans all the time, we typically have um, significant sums of cash on the balance sheet at any particular time. So anyone who's wanted to um, um, redeem their, their cash, it usually takes around 30 days and they can get their cash back, assuming the company company has the money to do so. There's no guarantee that we would, but um, so far we've had no problem to do that. I appreciate that. Excellent. Well, Paul, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Uh, I would say um, one of the things that I've really noticed that's different here in the United States than in Europe is to do business in the United States, people get to the deal very, very quickly, but they also tend to move on quite quickly too. So once the deal is done, they kind of move on. In Europe, people make a lot of effort to stay up with people, to keep their network growing and stay in touch. So I would say make sure that you are growing your network at all times. Everyone that you you come across, everyone that you do business with, you will meet them again maybe in five years or ten years. So don't be a stranger. That is great stuff. That definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. Don't be a stranger, Paul. I think that, that is excellent advice right there. you gotta, you, you got to stay in touch with folks. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? How can they get, uh, how, how can they get uh, invested or interested in the fund? Well, I'm not too hot on the social media and all that stuff. I guess I'm just too old. That ship sailed for me. But we do have a website. So if you go to the website, which is Automation Finance, all one word, automationfinance.com, there's all the links and videos and everything there. People can find out more. And if they want to email me, there's a link also on the website. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Paul your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to automationfinance.com learn all about the opportunities with Paul and the fund thank you again Paul and until next time keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together